the incomparable. Number 518 June 2020 Welcome back, everybody, to The Incomparable. I'm your host, Jason Snell. This episode is about a TV series that recently ended that we wanted to talk about in uh, in, in total. Season 3 of HBO's Westworld. It's that show, you know, the Western, about robots. Uh, except kind of not anymore. Season 3, a big departure. We're going to talk about it. Now, here on this network, we have the TV podcast. And within that is a podcast just about Westworld that uh, Kelly Gamont and Don Melton do. And they're both here. Kelly, Don, hello. I'm introducing you both at the same time. Hello. <laughs> hello. Hi, Jason. I'm glad to be here, but I'm glad to not be in the host seat, especially because it's a lot toastier than mine usually is. Yeah, it's, so. I'm I'm happy to bring your uh, your stylings about Westworld to a larger crowd, and then people should go back and listen to your podcast where you break it down episode by episode. And they should listen to it repeatedly. Yeah, over and over again <laughs> until you understand what you were seeing um, on the show, or until you understand it less, maybe. Just keep listening until the world unfolds for you. Nathan Alderman is also here. Nathan, welcome back. Hello. Howdy. Nice to be here. And Cicero Holmes is here again. Hi. Hello. La, la, la. (laughs) (laughs) Totally worth it just for that. Yeah, I'm good. (laughs) I hope that you're all who you say you are and not somebody, a robot in like somebody else's body. We may never know. We may never know. We may never know. So... Season three of Westworld, like I said at the beginning, um, you know, we we spent two seasons with a robot uprising and then afterward uh, in this park, the theme park. And we saw some other stuff and we saw some other parks and things like that. But the big ending to the previous season of Westworld is the idea that they're out of the park now and they're out in the world and that we're going to see what this world is that created Westworld, what that world is like. And that is where the the bulk, not entirely, but way more than I actually expected going in of this season is set, is out in the real world, not in the park. And we end up in a, you know, this is a future. It's it's kind of, I would say, Blade Runner-esque in a lot of ways. It looks... It's it's clean Blade Runner is the way Kelly and I have always described it. Yes. Was it the endless synthesizer-driven music that gave it away? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think uh, Ramin Jawadi absolutely was like, Blade Runner, got it. <laughs> I'm gonna do gonna get my Vangelis on right now. But it's, I think there's a side of, of Tron Legacy in there a little bit. I get a strong sure. Tron vibe from it at, at point. Yeah, we got little flying, like autonomous flying cars and stuff. And there's, uh, you know, it's a 2020 take on or 2019 probably take on Blade Runner, but still, you know, clearly inspired by that. They shot a lot of this in Singapore, I want to say, where there are yes. buildings yes. that to to our eyes seem kind of futuristic and 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 strange. And we have a new kind of like lead character, co-major lead something character, which is Aaron Paul as Caleb who is found and well okay he finds and saves Dolores except mm, it's a setup really as it turns out but uh he becomes he's a human out in the world and he becomes a central part of this and then there are a whole bunch of other characters uh we meet along the way as well so i kind of wanted to start there which is going into this season like your feelings about the 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 shift in tone versus the first two seasons the shift in location it it visually at least is a completely different show i think than than what we got before uh yeah uh i you know i i, I think 
the the fact that we've each each season uh they've spent a lot of time building worlds um you know the previous two seasons they spent a lot of time building theme park worlds uh and and this last season i mean for all intents and purposes is yet another theme park uh in, instead of uh west world or japanese world or whatever you know whatever that was called uh we were in present world future world we were in real well, for world. us but yeah real world yeah. right real you know? world yeah um and and so it was it was another version of a theme park at least from from my perspective as a viewer uh and and but but the but they spent the same amount of care and thoughtfulness and building that world and 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 kind of establishing the rules of that world in a way that made the the world make sense to me immediately. Nathan, what do you think about the the location shift and the, the 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 change in look here? Well, in the first two seasons, I I love westerns, and I loved that even as the show was about more than just. Uh, just that it it gave good western. There were train shootouts and and heists and and that great scene where Ed Harris is like there's a noose around his neck and he's on the back of his horse and he has to try to get free and and I loved all that. But I found myself really enjoying this season um, despite that. Um, but I felt like instead of westerns, this season doubled down really hard on video games. Um, uh, especially in the first and the final episodes, this season really wanted to emphasize the parallels between the basically um, Caleb, Aaron Paul's character, living Grand Theft Auto in the first episode, and then in his his big adventure in the final episode, feeling very much like a video game from like the the non-player characters who show up to shepherd him through a dramatic cutscene to another character <laughs> who gives him an item and then gets him on the transport to go to a mission where bad guys are calling out, I'm going to flank him! And he's, you know, doing cover shooting. <laughs> it, it felt like the show was very self-aware. You know, if we can't do Westerns, we're going to do video games. In other words, it wasn't Red Dead uh, redemption this time like it was in the first season. no it was half grand theft auto half call of duty yeah i think it was it was a little saints row uh it was a little saints row in in so much that saints row uh takes the grand theft auto formula and uh turns it up to 11 um to 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 where it's it is uh as saints rows as the saints row games progress it it you know it it takes that line and then it just kind of leapfrogs over that and long jumps over that line. Um, this really danced with the line the same way that some of those Saint Soros games to the point where it was like it was almost unbelievable. Um, there was that moment towards the end of uh, episode. It, it may have been episode eight. It was probably episode seven where Marshawn Lynch's character comes out of nowhere in the riot. And yes. uh, the 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 authorities shoot the tear gas gas canister. I think that's and he just comes eight. out of nowhere. Oh, it is episode. Yeah, eight. he's clearing he comes clear, out of no- clearing the way. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Nobody he's breaks through a control. line like Marshawn Lynch. By the way. Yes. <laughs> Sadly, we're seeing a replay of that uh, in the real world again this week. But right, right. I digress. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. Cesar, I think you nailed it. It's totally Saints Row. I hadn't thought about that uh, analogy, but. Uh, yeah, in fact, it, Saints Row, uh, later on, the different things, they also have that Blade Runner vibe. Absolutely. A hundred percent. Uh, Cicero, I like what you said about how it is, it, it's present world or future world and all that, because one of the themes of this season really is that the, 
that the hosts break out of Westworld in order to foment a rebellion against the humans who've mistreated them, kind of only to find that most of the humans are just as mistreated as the as the hosts and that precisely that the you know there there are the people who control the technology and and including some characters we meet this time but it turns out that beneath the surface of this future world it is really a dystopia where everybody's being kind of programmed into whatever life they're going to lead and they don't really get a choice and you know that's sort of Dolores's point toward the end of the season is you you know to Caleb like this is you know, this is your rebellion to fight too. Like, this is not just about hosts versus humans. This is about ho- humans and hosts trying to overthrow the system, um, which I mm-hmm. is not. I mean, I kind of am not, I'm not totally surprised that that's where the show went, but it is an interesting turn from what they could have done, which is, I think, a more straightforward like. You know, we're just going to take it to the humans now. We're going to kill all the humans. There's a, some com- compassion for right. the the humans who are also being mistreated by the society. So, what did you think of Vincent Cassell's uh, portrayal of Mark Zuckerberg? <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say, when you want smarmy creep, Vincent Cassell will give that to you and more. Oh yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Um, to your point, Jason, I think to me the thing that was sort of interesting about this was how. Um, the aesthetic, which we talked about, is pretty different from where basically most of us are now. But the the people and the interaction and the relationship in their lives were very much like kind of how a lot of us are now. And so I think it was the the pointing out that like there are people who are on loops and that's how they live. And it's really hard to break out of your loops. We we hear that from Dolores herself at one point. Like that you know there's there's a whole lot of conversation in this one in the season about free will and talk you know so like everybody seems like they live in a really different time but they're not living materially different lives you know people get up in the morning they go to work they go out after work they uh you know commit a little petty crime here and there <laughs> head home i was gonna say do a podcast but one of those or both right, right. yeah that was the unrealistic thing in this future no one is is listening to podcasts yeah so. nobody headed home to, to record anything which was which was <laughs> weird uh but i think like for me that was one of the things that stood out was um watch was was like the lives all seem like something that I recognize, even if the 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 place where they're living them does not. Well, I, I I would I mean I would argue that you know fundamentally that's what humans do, right? Like it's 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 what we've always kind of done. But that was part of what it was was you know oh those poor you know everybody at the end of season one was like oh those poor robots and all they got to do was was the same thing every day and it was like I'm gonna stop you right there. Yeah. But the man in black basically outlined this is what the real world was like all the way back in the first season when he and Teddy and Ford were sitting in that bar and talking about how, you know, he was president saying, you know, the humans are in their own loops. Right. Yeah. And that's really what we're seeing here. And we're seeing a much larger world than the one uh, that William described back then. But it's essentially everybody is on a loop. This whole idea of circles and Rehoboam being a sphere and the indicator that, you know, uh, Sarak has on his watch being a big circle. I mean, they couldn't have painted uh, the symbolism any louder if they had tried. 
so uh, I thought that was that was actually comforting to me. It felt like Westworld because of all of those things, even though completely new setting, completely new characters, and completely wasting a lot of other characters, unfortunately. But I'll get. Yeah, we'll get, we'll we'll definitely get there. <laughs> I wanted to say, I mean, the the robots in the show from season one on have always been a pretty clear and, and pretty strong metaphor for um for humans in the underclasses. Um, you know, basically how the robots in Westworld have, I think, been intended as a metaphor for how the rich see most other people, disposable, inessential, uh, you know, drones that, that are there to serve their interests. Um, so seeing that made a little more explicit this season wasn't maybe as surprising as it could be. Yeah, I mean, I, although I, I like both that and the fact that uh, of what William said in the first season is like, there's one thing to sort of like say, well, yeah, this is like human nature, but I, I don't entirely believe William. And although it's the impression is like, well, yes, they are like how uh, the the rich see the people who are not the rich. It, it's a different thing to go out into the real world and say, oh, no, it really like the real world in the show is also like that. Right. It's not just if that makes any sense. It's like it's not just the show looking us at, to us as viewers and being like, see what this is like. It's the show saying, no, no, it's like this now in our show, too. That was the part that I was like, oh, that's interesting. Like they're going to extend they're going to apply their metaphor directly to society outside oh, yeah. of the park. That was a that was a move that I uh, that I kind of appreciated. Some of the big ideas explored this season are some of the ones they've been exploring all along. The whole uh, idea, uh, and that's what I like about Westworld, the whole idea of identity, choice, free will, what Kelly said. And they couldn't have gotten more blatant about it, I think, than in the fourth episode where uh, Figment Emily uh, questions her dad, William, you know, are you free and evil or blameless and helplessly enslaved? And this is the question not only to William, but it's the question to everyone in the world. And as we see people getting freed, getting knocked off their loops, it's not just that they were knocked off their loops. It's what happens when they're knocked off their loops, right? Uh, if anything, the show is just creepy when you compare what's going on in our real world the last few weeks. I mean, this just hit me uh, hit me hard today when I was re-watching uh, a few episodes. A lot of that message is summed up in the one quick scene where Bernard reprograms Stubbs to be his bodyguard. And after the programming <laughs> kicks in and Stubbs comes back to him to himself, he just kind of grouses, well, you could have just asked. <laughs> they were, overall, they were one of my favorite parts of this season, the two of them together. They were, um, I found them really enjoyable and I wanted more of that. Kelly and I want a buddy movie. Yes, in the off season, I want I want like a web series that's you know maybe some shorts that's them getting from the island to uh uh where did they end up, Don? At, at a Motel Six, they they left the light on for them. Yeah, where is it in Southern California? I'm just uh, I'm just gapping. I'm out absolutely on where it is. blinking. But we've both been there, and we never want to go back there again. It's like Victorville or something yeah, like I that. Yeah, I think it's Victorville. And, so. and we were, because I remember saying, like, you don't go to Victorville. You go somewhere else and you end up in Victorville. And I just want to know the story behind why Stubbs is wearing a shirt for Hollywood Aerial Tours. I'm really, really curious about that. 
All right, let's take a little break from Killer Robots to tell you about our first sponsor. It's Pingdom from SolarWinds. You know, today's internet users expect a fast web experience. No matter how good your content or how effective your marketing is, they will bounce if your website is loading too slowly. With real user monitoring from Pingdom, you can discover how website performance issues are affecting your visitors' experience so you can take action before your business gets impacted. How your visitors experience your site differs depending on what browser they use, what device they're on, what platform they use. Now, you want to identify how visitors are experiencing your website so you can make informed optimizations and deliver great performance to the customers who matter most to you. Real user monitoring is an event-based system. It's built for scalability. You can monitor millions of page views without compromising the fidelity of your historical data or breaking the bank. Get live visitor insights today with real user monitoring from Pingdom. Go to pingdom.com slash Snell right now. You'll get a 14-day free trial, no credit card required. And when you sign up, use the code Snell, my last name at checkout, to get an awesome 30% off your first invoice. Thank you to Pingdom from SolarWinds for supporting the incomparable. I want to send some kudos to to Jonathan Nolan and, and Lisa Joy because wh- what we see is that, of course, the real world is, is going to be inhabited by by somewhat uh, you know the 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 people that are the move makers are are somewhat vile and repugnant people um but they would have to be vile and repugnant people if they spend their leisure time taking advantage of avatars that are made to look like humans yeah and and you know and not think you know and not think any twice about it um so yeah so yeah. I, like the thing that i love about this show is is how thoughtful and narratively dense um, these two showrunners and writers ha- are uh, w- were when they w- when they were thinking about when they were conceiving uh, the ideas and and building these stories. But I also think that that is one of the biggest drawbacks of this show um, because we, you know we're in we're in peak TV. Um, this is a peak TV type of show. But one of the problems with it is it even more so than Game of Thrones, which preceded it, it is like you have to pay attention to the minutia in a way that that, uh, you know, current TV audiences attention spans don't don't do anymore. Um, you know, like when, after watching season one, you know, once I got to the end of season one, I was like, holy crap, I've got to watch all of season one again. Once I got to the end of season two, I was like, holy crap, I've got to watch all of season one again. Um, <laughs> and, and then go through season two. And now going into season three, I, less so than, than season two, but, but even in season three, I'm like, oh wow, those breadcrumbs started all the way in season one. Yeah. And, and, you know, if, if you go back and you rewatch them, you see that all of this, everything that was happening was leading to leading you to where you wound up going 30, 28 episodes later. It, and it's not just I mean, I, I can accept a show that requires close viewing. Not every show deserves close viewing. And it's so easy to not view things closely now. But I, I can accept that. But I, I think it also extends to the fact that um it's so dense that if you're, it is a show for an intense analysis, right? And that's what Don and Kelly do on their podcast. <laughs> that's why we have two shows a week, as a matter of fact. <laughs> week to week. 
<laughs> even week to week yeah. it's difficult because you're like well wait a second what happened last time if you're not like super studying it and well versed in it and maybe watched it a second time and then let's throw in there that season two was two years ago so right, right. i think this is a show that and and i i really agree with cicero um i i love the ambition of it i love all of the depth that they try to put into it it is a difficult show to follow in some some re- respects purposefully and some respects is just the nature of the fact that they they release it's an hbo show so it's released weekly and not in a big drop and it's released with a year or two between installments and it's going to be two Mm -hmm. years again probably before they have a fourth season even though it did get picked up for two or three more seasons i think they said it's going to be a six season show and they're 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 going to get the chance to do that but (laughs) like well and it's going to be forever until i mean we'll we'll we all be covered in dust waiting for right. it to appear yeah that's gonna that's that's the audience at the end of this at the so end of this season is we're all is, just covered in dust is is i look at it and i i just like and i'm paying attention week to week like during the episodes but what i'm not doing is putting in the extra homework and i love that it will take the extra homework but there are moments where i'm like oh man like i don't remember who that guy is like i i, I so i love its ambition and i love that it's dense it makes it hard sometimes to appreciate it fully i completely agree but kelly and i started second on the west world crack pipe a long time ago but i think that's true of a few other series like my favorite uh series of last year watchmen also on hbo right. uh you know you basically had to take a scholarly approach to that show you know rereading uh, the graphic novel every week <laughs> was, was pretty much required. Okay, for the record, I didn't do that, and I had a blast watching Watchmen. Yeah, Same. and so I, I'm, I'm just being facetious here, but I, I think there are levels of investment that you can do. You can be entertained. I know that right before the season started, uh, my son came to visit, my older son. He's a, almost 30 now, and uh, he was wanted to watch the premiere with me and you know like you said it'd been two years and so he was asking me you know questions like uh who's bernard again and you know <laughs> yeah after about five minutes of this i just wanted to put him on over my knee and pedal him <laughs> I, I feel like this season was saying who's bernard again right <laughs> and we'll get to that that's we'll fair yeah. yeah that's fair but uh, it, it does take uh, take a little bit. I've got to hand it to the producers also for their previously on some of the best yes. previously on in the business is in Westworld. If you want to know how to do a previously on, you watch that show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nearly wordless, um, incredible, and, and yet crystal clear. They're, they're just mm-hmm. it got to the point where they were just showing off. Yeah, a little yep. bit. Yeah. yeah, pretty much. Some of them actually were wordless. Like I remember, uh, we've we've talked about it because for people who don't follow along uh, on the show, Don and I do. We would watch uh, when it dropped on HBO Go. We would watch it at about six thirty or so on the West Coast because we're both on the West Coast. And then when we were done, we would immediately run to the microphones, s- literally set a timer for twenty minutes, talk about it for twenty minutes, and almost every single time a portion of that 20 minutes when we go in knowing that's all the time we have, we would go in and go, did you see the previously? It was so good. Like nobody even said anything. And I knew exactly 
it was the perfect refresher course for what I needed going into the episode. And then later in the week, we would do another episode where we talk for like an hour and change about the hour. We always aim for an hour, but we don't set a timer on that one. So we usually miss. But uh, we would go in depth about like, what about this? And, you know, I have this crazy theory about the thing that that happens with that. Here's how that's going to play out. Or did you see how that thing from last week played out this week? And I'm overall sad about some of the pieces of it but I feel like this season they really did a good job of one of my favorite things that Westworld has done the entire time which is I have answered your question with an answer that gave you five more questions and that's that's one thing that this show does that I really 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 like see I really I enjoyed this season from episode to episode but I felt like the sum of the parts was greater than the whole um i felt like it was stuffed with things that were good in isolation but that the whole thing didn't quite work for me Uh, it didn't hold together um and and that like i said i really enjoyed it um genre the the episode where where, um, we're um where is like sliding between different different experiences of reality it's is a practically delight. a watchman like, episode isn't it it is, <laughs> yeah. it is. It yes. very much is they should have called that drug dr manhattan but they didn't for a while it was my favorite episode and then i went back to rewatch the season and i actually think episode number four right before that the mother of exiles oh, that's was when i went that that one dialed me up to 11 for the season hmm. Right. That one was just so chock full, especially with that opening fever dream where we <laughs> finally got to see uh, Ed Harris as the man in black. And yes. he just does an Academy Award stealing performance. And that wasn't even the highlight of that episode. There right. were just so many moments. But but Nathan, I agree with you. The, the problem with this season and I, I hate to blame this, but it's really the writing. It's that the plots and the character motivations are so, in the end, contrived yep. and messy. Yes. And, yep. and, and just didn't make sense. I mean, you don't drive a plot by having these really smart characters do obviously stupid stuff. So right. Here, right. here's my theory. And, and and so to I'm gonna jump on uh, what Nathan said about how the the <laughs> what parts are better than the sum of the whole whatever that is the the I, I think you're right I think it's more specific than that it's a few things going on they have their theme that they want to hit and they have a storyline that they want to tell and I really believe if you watch this season it's very easy to see that Dolores is the center of it and they yes. want this to be Dolores's yeah. story and to have Dolores's story at least this Dolores come to an end and they know what this <laughs> this show is about. The problem is um, that they've got all these other pieces. And so, like, Bernard gets a couple moments. And yes, the Bernard and Stubbs road show would be hilarious. Bernard and and Stubbs get some moments. Uh, uh, William gets a couple of moments. And I think uh, we we spent a lot of time with, like, Ciroc, who was introduced sort of out of nowhere. And I think Mm -hmm. as interesting as that character's setup is, um, I think in the end he's more interesting as a thematic element than a person he was much better as a boogeyman (laughs) (laughs) and the biggest part of this and i think when you're when the people who cut your promos and your trailers do i mean it's telling that the promos and the trailers really zeroed in on what this season should have been about which is it's mave and dolores 
And what if these Working two, it out. two characters we like have different worldviews and they're going to clash? And the problem is Maeve, and this is this is the thing I like the least about the whole season, is Maeve, I think, completely wasted. That that character is so good Absolutely. and Fanny Newton is so good. And the first time we see her, she's messing around in the World War II park, except it's not even that. It's a virtual version of the World War II park. It's a huge mm-hmm. waste of time. She shoots a bunch of virtual Nazis. Who cares? And then when she finally does get out, she's under Sirach's thumb, this uninteresting character, way less interesting than her, and he's making her do stuff, so she's really not opposed to Dolores, or maybe she is, but mostly she's just being forced to play on the other side, and it is, she has, so she has no agency, she is just being told what to do, and until the last, and literally the last scene the is last like, five minutes. last five minutes, she's like, oh yeah, well now that Dolores is gone, we can have Maeve have a show, and it's like, why couldn't you have it both <laughs> for the whole season? Yeah. It's just, it's so frustrating that she's a captive, and Bernard's a dope. Yep. Right? Hector yep. is dead halfway through the and season. And Ciroc is pulling all the strings and we don't know who he is or care who he is or why he is or what. Like, he's... He was a lot cooler when we when all we knew was he was this construct, this digital, this digital looks like a dude, but it's disappears, you know, when he get, like, gets mad and leaves by just sort of... De-resol- yeah. de-resing yeah. you know Evil hologram and, like, man sure yeah it, and like that was cool and there was a point very early on where i told don that i thought um that that was rehoboam that it was that rehoboam was like manifesting as this physical shape in order to get to do everything which it, he kind of was yeah kind of was right. but how once he turned into an actual character and all of that like he got a lot less interesting i mean vincent cassell did a great job but the character was not as neat when he once we got into him a little bit more well when we learned a little bit about of his backstory halfway through i found him fascinating and then i was disappointed that he could be that stupid what kind of dummy hooks Dolores up to his big brain. (laughs) And, you know, this is like Like, bad movie villain stupid. No, no. This is arrogant tech billionaire stupid. This is underestimating (laughs) everyone, especially an attractive woman stupid. Mm. Point well taken. I'd give you that. (laughs) I I actually really liked Ciroc's character arc. I like that he started out as this big, scary, dangerous, unknowable foe. And then as you peeled away more of the layers, as you got to know him better, he got smaller and smaller and more and more petty and more human and more pathetic until at the end, he's reduced to just like whining to a computer to tell him what to do. For me, that that was interesting and that worked. It probably wouldn't have been better if he he had picked up his phone and started looking into it and scrolling through it. And about Maeve, I just wanted to say that they they turned her into James Bond this season, which is both good and bad. It's good in that, like James Bond, she does a lot of incredibly awesome things and looks incredibly awesome doing them. It's bad in that, like James Bond, she ultimately devolves into less of a character and more of a vehicle for cool catchphrases and comebacks. I'd say also it's a ripoff that she's basically... Uh, they gave her some action, like that that the Nazi fight scene with the the machine gunning all the virtual <laughs> yeah. Nazis and all of that. Uh, that has that serves no 
point. It's literally because no. they needed to give Thandie Newton something to do, and they wanted to add some action to that episode. And yeah, there's action. It's kind of, I was like, are we shooting Nazis again? I mean, like, uh, it's fine, but it's like, have we not done this? It, right. it, it was just super right. boring. <laughs> and then at the end, right. it doesn't matter. And I thought, why yeah. did that happen? And that's, I think, that is my big problem with how they handled uh, Maeve the whole season is she gets some stuff to do, but none of it matters until the very end. That was my problem. So much of the show doesn't matter. So many things happen in this season that ultimately don't matter. I agree with Nathan. And I think part of that was like, I sort of kept, like we would go back to Maeve and I would be excited because I adored her in season one and in season two so much. You can go to the tape and, and listen to me talk about how great she is in the previous seasons. And in this season, I kept waiting for her story to really go. And it never did. Like, I kept waiting for her to get out from under Sarah. I kept waiting for what happened in the last five minutes of the season, but all season. And the Maeve that we met in season one and the Maeve that we journeyed with through season two would have taken maybe two episodes in those seasons to get out from under him, find a way around whatever that might be. And if that meant holding her nose and teaming up with Dolores, whichever one she felt like in order to make that happen would be a thing that she would do. And so watching her continue to like, she knew she was being played and she was continuing to let it happen. And that just didn't feel right at all. So we didn't get enough of her. And then when we did get her, it wasn't, it really wasn't the Maeve that we have known and loved for two seasons, at least if you're me. So um, I think that's part of why I was frustrated. I kept waiting for like, well, now she's going to like whoop him and, and, you know, get out for herself and go after Dolores full force because she really does want to get to her daughter. That actually is her motivation. Now we're going to see it. No. Yeah. In fact, she sort of like gave up on the daughter thing at the, uh, at the end in a, in a way. Yeah. Okay. Time for one more break in this episode. Because this episode of The Incomparable is also brought to you by Masterclass. Masterclass lets you learn from the best. They offer exclusive access to online classes tossed by masters of the craft. You can learn the art of negotiating from Chris Voss, improve your culinary skills with Mexican cooking by Gabriela Camara, or learn how to write humor and personal essays with David Sedaris. That's pretty good. With over 75 different instructors across tons of categories, there's something for everyone. Storytelling with Neil Gaiman. Or how about Chris Hadfield, the astronaut, talking about being an astronaut and what it takes to be an astronaut? I've been thinking about that a lot with the space launch that happened recently about um, the various astronauts. We have we had astronauts who are married to astronauts and they trade places in space and stuff like that. So interesting. And Chris Hadfield's masterclass class gave me real insight into the lifestyle of an astronaut. And then, yes, as a... Uh, uh, a would-be storyteller hearing Neil Gaiman talk about his process. Super fascinating. It's all there on Masterclass. I highly recommend you check it out. Get unlimited access to every Masterclass. And as an incomparable listener, you'll get 15% off their annual all-access pass by going to masterclass.com slash incomparable. That's masterclass.com slash incomparable for 15% off of Masterclass. Thank you to Masterclass for supporting the incomparable. Now let's get back to Westworld. And I suppose... We should talk about Charlotte Hale or Dolores inside of Charlotte and how she was handled this season. Again, it doesn't go anywhere. Tessa Thompson is fantastic. You get oh, this she's whole, great, isn't she? She's, she's incredible, so and you good. get this whole arc of her like 
you, you, you're wondering who she is. You find out that she's a copy of Dolores, but then like how much of her is Charlotte Hale creeping back in? You see her starting to care for this, this family that isn't really hers. Even, I mean, oh my God, the thought of, of one of my children's parents being replaced by a robot who's pretending to be them and what that kid must go through. Oh, and then killing the kid violently. Yeah. But the mom, <laughs> the mom was better. Like robot mom was better than actual mom cared yes. more about him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She gets all this wonderful character development and then they blow them up. And then, then Hiloris is like, rather than take revenge on the person who I specifically know did this car bomb, I will take revenge on the person who is trying to kill him. That makes a lot of sense because reasons. Right. I could go into a discussion of like how this is a study about self-hatred. You know, because really it is self-hatred. She hates Dolores. And <laughs> After she's fashion, Dolores. yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, it, there's lots of moments. And uh, Tessa Thompson, by the way, at the, the end scene with Ed Harris, she walks into a room and I wanted to crawl over the back of the chair because she just scared me so bad. <laughs> I mean, the fact that she can evoke some of the performances in this show are just mm-hmm. so, so good. You know, Gina Torres as Lauren, who convinced Hard me that again. she had aged 50 years yeah. since the last time I saw her on TV. It was a, it was a great portrayal. Or Enrico uh, Colantoni is yeah. with me. Oh my God! I could have watched. I mean, I could, I can, I can watch that that man read a menu for like <laughs> an hour. I mean, he's just such a great actor. And things like that are great. And then they waste Palm Clementif. Right? Why do they hire Palm Clementif and they don't use her? Or how about, you know, they bring the actress who played Anario back and she has like two lines. Right, right. And yeah. Clementine, the same. Yeah, Clementine and the, the guy who played Craddock uh, back. Jonathan Tucker. Jonathan yes, Tucker, for thank a you. Moment. And, and then he's a dead guy in episode eight with his face split open. You, you like, get the sense that the it's hell? sort of like, hey, you remember them? Like it's more like a cameo right. than something yeah. like that. Yeah. But we, yeah. you know, on the other. I, I mean, Tessa Thompson is is great, and what I like about this show is they can kill off her character and still have her on the show, which is why we'll have to talk about the ending. Like, it feels very much <laughs> like a you know death of Dolores, and I believe that you know that is that prime Dolores dying. But there are so many copies of Dolores that I'm like, is Evan is Evan Rachel Wood going to be back? Yeah, I mean, how could she not be? Because there is an unlimited number of bodies that they can print and little spheres that they can put in things. And like, we can go and go. But Tessa Thompson really benefited from that because I felt like the original Charlotte Hale was interesting, but also kind of they'd finished uh, and they killed her, but like her story was kind of over and she was, she was more like the, the adult supervision, scary adult supervision in season one. But here she got to be somebody completely different. And that's the beauty of this show is that she still got to, to do some stuff. I, I didn't like, I didn't love, I love the mystery of who she was for a while, but um, beyond that, I, I wasn't as sold on that. I mean, I'm not as down on it as Dandy Newton's thing, um, but which, which I just think is the, the part of the story that they squandered this season. And, and that's what I was saying to, about Nathan's comment is that I think, I think Dolores's arc is actually really interesting. And I think I really liked Caleb, Caleb's arc, right? Aaron Paul, I thought I really, you know, so never seen him much. before. Yep. Here he is on Westworld. I thought he was really great. I really loved Lena Waithe and Marshawn Lynch as his, his kind of like yes. Uber, but for crime buddies. Like that was great. Yes. 
Ash and giggles. I love how Marshawn Lynch's shirt always accurately reflects his, his emotion at that Absolutely. time. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Another shirt from this season that I desperately want to wear. So it's almost like there's there's like the four or five plot lanes in this season. And they're like one or two that I'm like, yes. And then the rest of them I'm like, eh. Like they did that, they didn't come through. And it's just, it's a very weirdly unbalanced season with good performances, some smart writing, some great themes that they're exploring. Like all the pieces are there and I enjoyed watching it. And I actually think I liked it better than season two. But at the same time, I, I also agree with the feeling that at the end, especially also there was only eight episodes. I'm like, eh, is that it? Like, like parts of it were good and parts of it I was like, you know, they, they swung yeah. hard and you can't hit a home run at every at bat and they hit a couple home runs and they struck out the rest of the time. If that makes and sense. Yep. Guys, what if this season of Westworld was like an Avengers film and what they were doing was setting up all of these spinoffs. Oh, so the Westworld <laughs> universe, right? The Westworld universe, the West, Northworld, Southworld, right. <laughs> the Bernard Stubbs spinoff. Oh yeah, and, yeah. You oh. Know, sold, sold. The, I greenlit that one. Right. Okay. The the Ash giggles Marshawn Lynch's character. The Ash the giggles Ash Caleb. giggles show is going to yeah. be the best show. Yeah. Ash Every giggles. week there's a new crime that comes in the app. Yes. And right. yeah. What what are they going to do? Right. Like I I mean <laughs> so they they and I I think I forget who it was that that said it before. Uh, you know I didn't I kind of rebuffed or or, or uh, you know reflexed a little weirdly when I heard that the statement about it being less than the sum of its parts or however that phraseology works. But, but now, you know, in retrospect, I think you're right. Um, because there were all of these characters that were great that ultimately didn't get to do, <laughs> get to much, do much. If but, anything, but they, but they were fantastic, fully fleshed out, fully realized characters that you believed lived in this world and you wanted to see and know more about them. Absolutely. Um, and and Definitely. so yeah, so yeah. I think I think uh when you know when we uh when we can have more than ten people in a room, they should just do a <laughs> bunch of Westworld episodes and put them on HBO Max. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> That's the part that was frustrating to me though, is because I think genre is probably one of my favorite episodes of Westworld because of how how they moved through it, what was happening. Um we get a healthy dose of Ashley and Bernard, which is, you know, my favorite, as we've established, uh, we get, you know, we, we sort of get everybody. We get Caleb as he's like tripping hard through this episode and we see a bunch of interesting things and like episode four, like Don was talking about when we like, we got the reveal of all Loris's and it was really, really great. And like watching how that peeled back and watching, you know, get it. Like we were so excited to see Musashi and then we found out, you know, it wasn't him. So like you're coming down off that and then you find out like, well, that's because it was Dolores. And then you go to the next scene and it, well, that's because it was Dolores. Wait. So when we get to the next one, I see what you did there. And like some of that stuff was so fun to do in the moment, but then we get done and like, you know, Bernard with his garage door button, which I think he got at Lowe's, <laughs> like how that worked and like what he could do with it and all of that. Like I was waiting for like him and Maeve to get together because with her ultimate cosmic power and his garage door button, like the two of them could have been unstoppable, but no. And so there were a lot of things, like I said, with Delor with Maeve's story, 
like there was a whole lot of stuff that I really loved, but then it didn't at the end, it didn't stack up into anything. And I think maybe part of that is because uh, the ones that I wanted were the ones that just didn't get the focus this year. So I, I look forward to the Westworld streaming universe <laughs> where I get to uh, watch more of the characters that I really like because like they were so interesting. I've watched shows with a character that's been on for multiple seasons that's not as well developed as Giggles and his light up t-shirt, mm-hmm. right? Like, I, right. you know, like we've, we've seen stuff. And so like all of the, like, like Jason was saying, all the pieces are there and that was the thing that was really great. And you can listen to us talk about it. You know, when we do those reaction shows and, and Don and I are like, this episode was so good. And then, you know, we like, we get a couple episodes past that, you know, like, well, you know, like we didn't get any Maeve this episode and there's only eight this season. And like, she really wasn't in this one, you know, and that was, you know, like that kind of stuff was, was kind of frustrating. Where is this all going, yeah. Kelly? Yes, I- exactly. And it, it was very frustrating that way. It was like, the <laughs> Don's bits... been saying that to me for months now, <laughs> but it was the bits and pieces. I, you know, I was getting pieces of, you know, steak and chocolate cake, but at the end of it, I just kind of had a tummy ache. I mean, I did like, I thought Dolores had a scary and epic death, you know, like Buffy at the end of the fifth season. Spoiler alert. Spoilers. But, yeah, yeah. Or two, two, <laughs> 20 years ago. I thought it was a scary and epic death. And I loved that part of it, but nothing else really made sense to me. And that was very frustrating because we got people lurching and lumbering off in ways that, you know, yeah, you could do like 50 spinoffs from, but I kind of like want to know where this is going. So does anybody have any idea? Like what is going to happen next season? I think next season is going to be a post-apocalyptic Western. Um, I think we're going to see Caleb and Maeve like having Western type situations, but in the new wild West of the post Rehoboam world. Because they mm-hmm. did that great fight club shot of the two of them <gasps> was standing so... on that bridge, right? right? Yeah. Right. But the two of, like, how the two of them ended up kind of on the same team, that whole fight sequence that was just lit by gunfire was amazing. Like, I think we had to wait a little bit to record because I backed up and watched that sequence a second time because it was just amazing to watch. And that was, again, one of those moments, like, how the two of them ended up on the same team and sort of watching them, you know, walk off talking about having a beautiful friendship together. Like that was, that was a lot of fun. How didn't the two of them get shot (laughs) during that scene? I wondered Mm, that too. Magic? Plot armor. (laughs) Yes. Plot armor. Technically, this may be the best TV show ever made. Uh, You know, it'll, it'll be surpassed at some point, but technically just the amount of money, Either they get a lot of money, which I think they do, and I think they spend it well because it's all there on the screen. It really looks amazing. <laughs> well, HBO isn't blowing it on and, dragons and, anymore. And I exactly, and I agree. Except I feel for like that one episode. Maeve, <laughs> I feel like Maeve and and uh, Caleb are the story here in terms of where the plot goes next. And I like the idea of it's basically still a Western, but it, it's after they've basically, you know, ended the world here and the, and all of society is falling apart. I do wonder, though, thematically, where they're going ultimately is the idea that the, the great story of any revolutionary 
is that if they succeed, there's the well now what moment and they have to build. Yeah. And then potentially right. if you if you don't want to show the building, you can show the aftermath, which is now the revolutionaries are in charge. And that often does not go well. And I wonder if that's kind of where mm-hmm. the show ultimately is going is that the hosts mm. will eventually get power and control and it will turn out that they're no better than us. Or maybe they maybe they are better than us, and that's how it turns out. And it's like, yay, the end. I don't know. I mean, the the post credit scene at the end of season two implies that at some point there is an apocalypse. Humans die out, and robots are become the dominant form of life. So, uh, I almost wondered if if Bernard's final scene, covered in dust, at the end of this season, was meant to take place in the same time frame as when uh, Ed Harris, no longer Ed Harris wakes up in the dusty, abandoned version of the Forge and his daughter is there waiting for him at the end of season two. Mm. Exactly. Can we talk real quick about Ed Harris? It's another example of of all this stuff leading, being cool in the moment, but leading nowhere, like the four Dolores' <laughs> reveal. Really cool in the moment, but what? Okay, was there any point to that? Nope, they're just all Dolores. The, the Man in Black, he gets this interesting arc this season, and it's a really fascinating arc because in the end, he doesn't change. He goes through, he, he kills all his previous selves in, in therapy. And in the end, he is still the his same stubborn, stupid a circle, Nathan. It's a circle. <laughs> but, but then, but then, so, so he comes full circle and, and he, and then they kill him off. This character you follow, whose, whose development you followed all through the season, you've watched him change or not change. And then they just kill him off. And now I'm a killer robot. I'm exactly the same one-dimensional bad guy I was in season one. Uh, all my character development has been wiped away. I just was like, well, okay, great. I love seeing Ed Harris. I love seeing him be an, a, a bad dude in, in black. But Killed by his own duplicate was cool, right? Yes. Cool, yeah. but... but- but, but, but a waste. waste. See, this is this is what I'm saying. It was cool, but unfulfilling when you started to think about yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. Like the show sort of is. William's path, we saw him, you know, when he was Jimmy Simpson, and we've seen you know, we've seen his path fractured, though his timeline might be over time. And it did feel, although it was a cool moment, awfully perfunctory to just gun him down and say, like, well, that's it for that character. Yeah, and they're like, okay, bye. Other than his, you know, reconstructed self who is still around. That's the other part of all of this is, is anybody really dead when they apparently have the ability to reconstruct a sentient being of some sort out of the data that they've been recording of everybody? I mean, that's the, that's like the next step is that you could just build a whole virtual world for all these people. Cause are they, are any of them ever really dead? Well, it's like the rest of the hosts in the sublime, you know, where are they at? Yeah. Well, I mean, what constitutes being alive, right? If, if you, if you have your, if you have all your memories, um, is that you, or does the, right. the you know the 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 fleshy meat bag constitute who you are? And we see him ask that at one point of like Dolores when he's hallucinating her when he first goes to the hospital and says, uh, "Am I me?" I think is what he says, mm. and the reply from his head from her is, "Welcome to the end of the game." And so I felt like they were aiming really, really high and I can admire that. But at the same time, I feel like they didn't hit sort of anything along the way. There was no midpoints or anything like it was all or nothing. And I don't feel like they quite got there because it felt like it felt sort of frustrating in in places because it felt like we could tell where they were trying to get to, but they didn't get there. Did it feel rushed to you, Kelly? Yes. 
Yeah. Uh, like it felt like it felt a little bit rushed, but it also felt a little bit like I'm spinning my wheels here because mm. uh, some of the things that were bigger deals, right, were not were not paying off the way they would have paid off. Like Ed Harris at the end, right? Like, okay, we killed him. Bye. It wasn't <laughs> the bomb drop, right? Of you know far future at Harris like at the end of season two it wasn't anything like that well, you want to feel it in a way that they they yeah. spend a lot of time making us feel that this is really the end for at least this version of Dolores she's really gonna die we, you know which yeah. is it could be a fake out but but like I, I feel like you give them some credit for putting in the effort but in so many other areas they're like yeah you know and that, that's the imbalance that I felt <laughs> throughout the season is that yeah. they, there were parts it was like they you know some stories they wrote in incredible detail and like we're gonna tell this whole story and then they realized they had ru- were running out of paper <laughs> and they're like well we'll right. just dash off right. some other quick scenes to get the other people oh, where they need right, to be or, or they're running yeah. running out of time and reusing pro tropes like the thing that really bugged me in re-watching uh, a couple of episodes a day is did all the bad guys in this season go to stormtrooper marksmanship school <laughs> i mean that's not even believable after a while when you get to episode eight yeah. I mean, just stupid stuff like that. I don't know. I could record an entire podcast about the way that Rachel, Evan Rachel Wood just irritatedly discards a gun once it's empty. That, uh, oof, yeah. She doesn't have you. time to reload a clip, no. let me tell you. reloading is for humans. Yes, yeah, come on. Yeah, uh, yeah. so I, I was going to say that I, it, it definitely felt like a lot of times that they had uh, uh, big ideas and ran out and not enough time. Uh, yeah. And they, you know, and they just tried to have to fix all that stuff uh, together. But I, I did want to circle back to something that someone asked before, like, you know, what what's going on in the future? Where are we? Um, I don't know if Westworld is Dolores's story. I think it's Bernard's story. Hmm. I hope it is because we'll see more of him. Right. Well, so, <laughs> yeah. So, like, ultimately, uh, and if you, you know, if you look back through the seasons, the, they we've spent a lot of time talking about following and discussing and worrying about lots of different characters. Who's the man in black? What is Dolores' story? What's up with Maeve? But the one central theme throughout all of this has been Bernard's discovery of who he is uh-huh. and uh, and his his understanding of you know, once his discover, once the discovery happens for him to, to, to that may, helps him to realize that he's not human, mm-hmm. um, but is you know is artificial, then it's his his journey to discover his humanity throughout every single season. And I think you know where we wind up, where we leave each mm. season is with a view of Bernard and what he is going through. And, you know, and this season was no different. And I think ultimately when it's all said and done, uh, when, when this series ends in season six, oh gosh, <laughs> no, um, right. that, 2030. That, yeah. right. Hey, I'm being optimistic. Cause you know what that means? There is a 2030. Yeah. Right. right. I'm holding yeah. on to that. <laughs> I, yeah. Cause I, I'm not even sure there's going to be a 2021. Since right. I hadn't thought of it that way, but you're completely right. Mm-hmm. I mean, every season ends with him and a key turning point. I just wish they would have done more of them with him this season. But yeah. if he's really a focus of season four and this journey, because when you think about it, Bernard, you know, they didn't have the technology back then to scan Arnold's brain 
like they did for everybody else later on. Right. And Arnold was reconstructed as Bernard from, from Dolores' Dolores's memories. Recollection. Right. Yeah. Uh, so an interesting idea is, could one thing that happens in the future that Bernard reconstructs Dolores from his memories? Hmm. Mm. Which yeah. I think would be an interesting thing to happen. Right. Yeah. Also, one of the one of the things about this show is that its its canvas is so broad that even though what we see is Bernard goes offline and wakes up and is covered with dust, so it's an, a, a lot of dust. So it mm-hmm. is an indeterminate amount of time later. It could be years. It could be decades. It could be centuries. Kind of a jerk move to poor Stubbs, by the way. Yeah. It was a hotel. Housekeeping oh. probably didn't come for that week, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's a lot of dust. So That's a whole uh, lot of maybe dust. Maybe there's a dust storm. So my, my point is, though, with Westworld, you don't know. Like, could mm-hmm. season four of Westworld be six months after the end of season three? It could. Could it be a decade or decades after season three? Absolutely, it could, right? They oh, they sure. may want to jump. Could to it what, be both, or could, yes. or could it be both, right? I mean, because because if if we're following Bernard in the aftermath of whatever world it is that has come out of the revolution, and maybe paralleled with that is a story of how that world is made. That would be really. I mean, that would probably be my pitch for season four, right? Is show yeah. us the show us the rise and show us the result. And because mm-hmm. Westworld is really good at the two time frame thing, I think that would be a, a great way to do it. But I love what you said, Cicero, about Bernard. Bernard, because the for my money, the most important emotional moment in the entire season is with him and Gina Torres. Yes. And, and the beauty of it is she's, you know, she's made up to look very old. It's one of those things where you would cast an old lady, but we already know what Arnold's wife looks like. So they had Gina Torres come back for that. Um, But the, the moment that's amazing is, is that moment where she knows exactly who he is. Right. Even though she has her good days and her bad days. And this is a good day. It's like, does she think that this is Arnold? It's like, no, she knows this is Bernard and not Arnold, and they both can mourn Arnold, and they can both mourn, mourn their son right. together. It is like that, to me, that is like the keystone of this season emotionally, and that's all about Bernard. That moment was astounding, and part of it was, like you said at the time, I remember thinking, because they just kept saying him, like, I I remember him this way, or uh, I hold on to him, and... You know, and there was a minute when I kind of went, wait, what is she talking about? You know, which which one is she talking about? Yeah. And are they are they both mourning the Arnold together? Yes. Yeah. And the answer is and yes. Charlie. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so like that was that was uh I, I did get a little misty there. In season one, you know, the the huge like the huge emotional thing is when the rug gets yanked out from under you when you when 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 Bernard looks at uh, Teresa and says, "What door?" And you know, in that moment, as you see that coming, and like in season two, we we get more emotional moments with him. You know, like he tries to kill himself, and you know, he shoots himself in the head, and then we see. You know, and like that was a huge moment for him. And so like the stuff that I feel the most attached to like and the most emotional reaction to is Bernard every season. And that's part of why I was disappointed not to get more of him this year. I will go as far as to say even without Stubbs, it would have been all right. Uh, I'd be sad. But um, well, I've, I've loved Stubbs since season one. So like the two of them together had just amazing chemistry. But his his arc, I think, through this whole thing, I really hope that you are right, Cicero, because like when you frame it like that, those are the things that I remember the most from each season. 
like when you know what happened in season two like i'm always going to start with what happened to bernard because that's the stuff that that hit that hits me yeah i don't think we'll ever get uh a maybe in the last season i don't think we'll ever get a bernard season no you know uh, in the in the same way that season two was kind of the Mave season, that was like the Mave breakout season. Yeah. Um. Uh. But you know, Bernard was always a very important portion of of the, you know the previous seasons. But but he ultimately, when you sit back ten thousand foot view, if you look at mm-hmm. what the connective line is, it is Bernard's journey through all of the seasons. Um, that is kind of the connective tissue for it all. And I don't think that they will s- stray from that um, to give to focus on him. But hi- but ultimately, when it's all said and done, you're going to say, holy crap, I've got to go back and watch the entire series again <laughs> to watch Bernard. So what you're saying is Bernard is the C-3PO of the Westworld universe. Absolutely. Why not? Oh, I've got a bad feeling about that. <laughs> <laughs> Jeffrey Wright is amazing. I have loved him ever since HBO's Angels in America when I watched yes. him just completely steal an entire scene out from Al Pacino, which is not easy. Which it's not a thing people do, yeah. When you think about, when you look back at Bernard, he is completely peripheral to everything important in the season. He has, he, he wanders in, he looks at things, but he doesn't actually affect or change anything this season. He's just always, like C-3PO, passively observing. Uh, Jason talked about character arcs for a lot of the characters being circles, but for Bernard Bernard, it's really a dot. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. And I think that that it goes back to a lot of the complaints that I'm hearing about this season and that I'm sharing about this season, which is the feeling that um, I I believe, just as I believe that you can't um, point out a a confusing part of a movie and have somebody say it's explained in the comic book tie-in or the novelization, (laughs) I also don't believe you can't uh, respond to why did this character not get service to this season with what well, we were just positioning them for next season. Cause it's like, yes, but there was this season and right. they didn't do anything. And I feel that way about Bernard and I feel that way largely about Maeve. Uh, mm-hmm. My frustration with Maeve is also the stuff that she does do seems pointless. I, I haven't even mentioned yet the fact that she and Dolores had this amazing fight scene in in episode <laughs> seven, yes! uh, which is which is great and and cool and they're robots and they're fighting and like, limbs come off and all of that stuff. But then like then season eight um, or uh, episode eight almost like immediately undoes it, reboots it, and then they fight again. And it's like, well, but didn't we just we see, just did that? Do, why yeah. are we here again? It's like, but you know, th- this whole conversation, like, this is why I watch the show is that there's so much here. It's so ambitious. I love watching smart, ambitious TV. It doesn't always work. Not always successful in what it's trying to do. It's one of those, it's like a, like a diving thing at the Olympics. It's like the degree of difficulty. You know that? Like you get more points <laughs> yes. if you try a harder dive. Like I want to watch people do the hard dive and they might not make it. If they do, it's amazing. But even if they don't make it, it's like, I love that you tried to do that. It That's Westworld be pretty great to yeah, too. Yeah. They try. In the end with Westworld and this season including, I choose to see the beauty. <laughs> oh God. Don, you gotta you gotta say that in the dolores voice though oh, to really God. sell it oh yeah but that's really it i mean i i you know i am angry there there are bad things that happened but in the end it it's all good i mean i've uh you know at the end i've forgiven 
uh, Ronald D. Moore for the last season of Battlestar Galactica, and that really took a lot. You finally get over it and say, well, you know, it was a great journey, even if the destination wasn't so great. Yeah. I mean, speaking of Game of Thrones, right? Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and there were there was lots of... Uh, there are lots of uh, parallels that I was able to draw in in this season, um, especially having a Dolores. dragon in the middle of one of the episodes probably helped. Yeah, literally having the guys from Game of Thrones in the in the episode probably. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but you know the the fact that Dolores is the mother of androids is is a, a thing that <laughs> that, that really kind of you know uh, hammered me over the head. Uh, with mm-hmm. with like oh yeah okay I see what you guys are doing there Dolores Targaryen yeah yeah, yeah. I mean yeah. first oh, of her God. name yeah uh first first of her name but the, like you know the 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 thing about that stuff is do do you knock a great show for using either a bad trope or a used trope that you you know that you, where you can you can source where it came from the you know the the origin of it. But it's done competently. It's done well, yeah. Yeah, like if it's if it's done well, I'm willing to give a lot of uh, a whole lot of credit, you know, for that. And I think there are parts of this season that I did not like. There are things in this season I did not appreciate. But I absolutely do not believe it to be a waste of time. And I absolutely do not believe, like, I'm not sad about it. And you know, I admit that even if it were season eight Game of Thrones level of of anger and frustration and what I believe to be poorly constructed storylines for all of these characters, like at least like I can I can cut a show a whole lot of slack in this particular instance because I get to podcast with Don about it every week. And so at least if nothing else, I, <laughs> I have you, a compatriot Kelly. who will complain about it with me and go, you know, you're right. That really did suck, you know, and that's great but like i absolutely would still recommend watching this show to people i recommend you know yes watch season two you know which feels really weird and and muddled but you know you need a lot of that for season three to be what it is and i agree with you jason it shouldn't take homework but all like all of it together as a unit of storytelling is so good and so interesting and so thoughtful that you know like you said even if you you know i always want to see somebody try the harder dive that's right. what I, that's absolutely where i'm at and if you couldn't talk to don about it if there was nothing there there would be no point right and this is a show that does really cause conversation and make you think and and you might not <laughs> like everything that you come up with but like I am so happy to have a show like this that is is trying so hard, but also is worthy of tearing it apart and saying, you know, this yes. part was good, this part was bad. Like, so that's that. I mean, that. So in some ways, this is like the perfect TV show. Because <laughs> well, and the other thing is, you know, it's it's Monday morning Monday morning water cooler TV, right? It because it doesn't get dropped all at once. And uh, that was what made Watchmen last year just so awesome, was the serialization of it. Uh, Just so awesome. And uh, for all of HBO's faults, this is one thing it actually understands how to do. The other thing to remember with Westworld, and I too, uh, I I live for talking to uh, Kelly about it, but we've said this many times, both of us, is that uh Lisa and Jonathan have put a lot of money in the bank with season one that I, I consider the best single season 
of any TV show ever. Mm. I mean, it's just my favorite uh, season of TV. It, it, there, there could have been no other episodes of Westworld and that would have hung in there and that would have just been a, a perfect way to end it. Just everything was constructed. So they screw up some things this time. They take some shortcuts. Maybe they got a little lazy. Okay, I'll give you that. You've earned a few mistakes. Yeah, Keep absolutely. Keep going and get me back for season four. It's possible that someone copied Kelly's brain and put put it in a brain ball in my host body because I agree <laughs> that um, there's this wasn't a waste of time. I was really entertained by the season, even though I had problems with it. I think it, it, it's definitely worth watching. It's really entertaining. There's tons of cool, fun, exciting stuff there. Who was the villain of the season? Ciroc. Really? I really think so. I'm not sure. Right. Was it not Dolores? Like, yeah. I think at Dolores times- was both the villain and the hero. Yeah. <laughs> that right. was the thing that was amazing. Yeah. I know where you're going there. I saw you telegraphed it. Right. Hey, <laughs> you know, I set him up. You got to knock him down, baby. Come on. Yeah. I mean, throughout, that's one of the more intriguing things about this season, I think, is you have, you have several moments where you're like, are we supposed to be on Dolores' side? Because right. she, I'm not sure. That was kind of bad. But this is the problem with the, the the all those promos that were like, it's Maeve versus Dolores. It's like, I was so ready for Maeve to be like, no, Dolores, you can't do this. But instead, yes. she's just under Ciroc's thumb. But yeah, Dolores, right. like, yeah, mm-hmm. I really enjoy the fact that I'm watching Dolores and I, you know, I'm rooting for her. But at the same time, I'm also saying, I don't think she's the good guy here. Right. right? Yeah. Like, right. it reminded me of that moment in Breaking Bad when... um I don't remember. I want to say it's it's uh, about two so thirds of the way bad? through. <laughs> it's <Right>. about <laughs> two thirds of the way through. I think uh, the first season when something happens to Walt, and I remember going, oh, "I hope he's okay," you know. And and like at that moment, I'm rooting for the meth maker, and I'm yep. like, "Yep, right. that's nice when track. I know I'm hooked." And track. like, I feel like the 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 real villain this season is the eight episode limit. <laughs> mm. Mm. Wow. Oh, wow. right. nice one, oh. Kelly. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my goodness. I mean, if you're going to make me pick. You, yeah, you're going to use it. I, you, you better use that line in our own season <laughs> three wrap up show because I that one just floored me, boss. <laughs> I, I, I wonder why. They, dang. I, I don't know whether it's the it's the money or the time or what that it, they waited. They had to go two years and then only do eight episodes. But it was, uh, yeah, also disappointing, I would say. Yeah, yeah. What's what's funny though is so we got eight episodes and and uh Jason, you were definitely correct in saying that Maeve was wasted and we spent a lot of time like our introduction to to Maeve this season was completely worthless. Yeah. Um but so if they had two more hours, if they had extra episodes <laughs> to to yes. to do stuff right. with But they would have had to actually do that stuff, right? Right. What would what would they have done? Well, I I don't know. I mean, my my thought is uh, it all depends on how they built it. Right. Because if they built the season around Dolores and then realized they didn't really have a lot of room, um, then they're like, well, we can't we don't have eight episodes of this. But my hope would be that that Maeve would actually get things to do. But you're right. If they had no idea what to do with Maeve and they just were putting her in a holding pattern, more episodes would not have helped. It's true. But finding out more about Insight could also have been interesting, like that facility where uh, Maeve was being, I hope I'm pronouncing these air quotes correctly, 
held um you know yeah. before the robot walked out with her like what was that because we never went back there and we never talked about right. it right it's just so, and it was stuff yeah and it was super cool looking and i wanted to know more about what was going on there and i kept waiting for us to end up back there at some point as we learn more about sarak and what his deal is and everything and we never got any of that. Oh, there's quite a few times we could have taken a hard left turn and got some more information. Yeah. I want to know what uh, Martin Loris was doing most of the time in the headquarters. Yes. I got really curious about that before he he blowed up real good. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Not enough time. Uh, we're probably at the end. Anything uh, that you haven't said about season three of Westworld that you'd like to say now would be a good time. Uh, I want to take one second and talk about the music because it wasn't yeah. quite. Uh, oh yeah, it wasn't quite the um, the the name that tune fest, which I enjoyed very much in season one because yeah. that's a thing I do. Uh, you can ask Don because he just gets text messages from me when I'm like, oh my god, it's the Wu Tang Clan. Um, <laughs> but also, um, uh, like I really liked how this season sounded very different than the other two because we're in a completely different place. It's a completely different deal. And I really enjoyed it. I really liked um, how that music felt aside from like it be it sounding completely different. Like it felt completely different in a lot of ways. Um, I, I like to listen to uh, score instrumental music from like TV and movies and things while I work. And I did have this album sort of playing all the way through for a while and uh and like i really really enjoy it as its own music but i also liked you know we got the weekend in there um i liked some of the actual music we got we got some nice pink floyd at the end uh we got um that fisher spooner song at the end of episode five i think i think it was five there's uh, the, at, at the end of John, uh, we Bowie. got David Bowie. I was going to say Bowie. We got Iggy Pop. You know, at one yeah. point, like, uh, like night clubbing was such a good sequence in genre. Guns um, and Roses. We we did get the Guns and Roses <laughs> yes, there, and that's true. like, so we had like some bits of that, but just um, the music is. It wasn't player piano stuff. It, it wasn't right? the no. player piano, it wasn't which the I was old time piano, which I was a little sad, a little bit sad about. I wondered how they were going to work in interesting music this season, and. Um, and part of that was uh, sort of the commentary that comes out of it when you know the lyrics. Um, we did get some of that and it was pretty cool. And there's a song that was playing um, that I am going to forget the name of now that was in, uh, I think it was at the beginning of one of the episodes and it was, but it's, it, it's a song that has actual lyrics that they've rearranged and made an instrumental version for, for the show. And like the commentary in some of the, in some of the stuff that they choose is always pretty great. And so I liked, I liked all of that a lot. Like the fact that they used, uh, I think it's called reveal from Fisher Spooner at the end when they get on the plane together. Hmm. Uh, and, and Dolores, you know, and, and Caleb says, maybe I'm not like other people. And Dolores looks at him and realizes this is her moment and goes, neither am i and that's all we see and like every all of the musical cues all of the themes that ran through the season i really 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 loved it because it did sound like westworld but it sounded completely different which was i felt like a really nice balance to be able to strike with this season which is supposed to be westworld but not but yeah but no yep. and so it was really nice to to get that from this season as well but I, I thought it was the showrunners taking a chance. In other words, let's try something new. Let's not fall back and just do Wild West, uh, Wild West sex robots. 
which is what season and, two was. I mean, that's that's why yeah. I didn't love season two is that is that they didn't really move forward. It was sort of a remix of season yeah. one, and season three is not like the other seasons, yeah. and I loved that about it. Me too. Although I did miss having you know a Radiohead cover in an odd way. <laughs> This season. Maybe next year. I, yeah, the the I was really looking forward to like what you know, we got Sweet Child of Mine in the trailers. And so I was really looking forward to like what's gonna be the what's gonna be the big thing this year? And yeah, it wasn't there wasn't a lot. So yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, uh I guess we could all meet back here in what, a couple of years, hopefully, if if humanity's still alive and uh, we can talk we about We will be, Jason. And I am a and, radical and optimist. We're not talking about in the show, we're talking about in <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I look forward to hornets. waking up covered in dust and talking with you all again. <laughs> is, what yes. is it about watching shows about the apocalypse during the apocalypse? That's a different take. <laughs> right. People in face masks, mass unrest in the streets, things setting on fire. <laughs> right. All right. Been a great conversation about a very interesting show again, even if uh, we complain about it a lot. That's uh, it's fun and uh, appreciation for all of the uh, the the effort that goes into this show to make it interesting, even if it's worth criticizing too um and my panelists did a great job cicero holmes thank you so much for being here oh thank you very much for having me i uh i am critical of the things that i love yes amen that is that i feel like that's our charter here is a is liking stuff and also tearing it apart uh at the same time you can do that it's fine nathan alderman thank you Thank you very much. Now, if you'll excuse me, I got to go save the bleeping world. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly Gamont, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I can't believe I just talked about Westworld for an hour and you don't have to edit. It's true. Howdy do, <laughs> killer robots. Something like that. That's, they're not buckaroos anymore so much. And Don Melton, thank you so much. You didn't swear once. <laughs> uh, F no, I didn't. Jason, I could talk to you about Westworld and men's fashion all day. All day. (laughs) And thanks to everybody out there for listening to this episode of The Incomparable. We will see you next time.